in just a moment, I'm going to get Pastor Sanjay to come up and share with us this morning. And, um, but just a little bit of context, Pastor Sanjay is a, a pastor at IC Church in, uh, in Brisbane, but for the last couple of years, he's been pastoring and pioneering a IC campus in Mumbai, India, and uh, is back for the time being. I'm sure you can explain that even further. But uh, as Pastor Russell has mentioned, um, Pastor Sanjay was my principal at Bible College and um, someone I respect and admire greatly. And we're privileged this morning to have him with us to share. And uh, I would love if you would give him a center point welcome this morning as he comes to the stage. Good morning. Good to see you and good to be here. I love the fact that we can go uh, anywhere in our city or anywhere in the world and st- still be with family, right? Amen. So uh, I just so appreciate you having me. And uh, my son Elijah is with uh, me this morning. So uh, say hi to him. And um, uh, I'm married. My wife's name is Robin. Uh, we've got three kids. We've got a daughter who's 17 and Elijah, 15. And then we've got a son who's seven. Uh, as you could probably guess from the age difference, he was our surprise package, and uh, some of you know what that's about. Um, and uh, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we, we all just got back from India. Uh, we lived there for just under four years, and uh, God sent us there to start a church in the city of Mumbai. It's a city with over 21 million people in it, and uh, to say the least, it was an adventure. It was crazy. We just went because God said when we got there, we didn't know anyone. We didn't have any connections there. We just got there with the word from God. And then supernaturally, he just connected us with some young people. And that went from uh, one step to the next. And, and uh, my wife, as we left four years later, there's a flourishing church there with a leadership team of young people. And, and uh, my wife and I go back there regularly. In fact, I'm going there on Wednesday. We still oversee the church and we travel there once a month uh, between my wife and I. Uh, but it's also great to be back in Australia. And uh, enjoying some nice warm weather over Christmas. I hope you had a good Christmas break. And uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning. Uh, Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. And when you're there, say yeah. All right. There's some fast people. If you're not there, say hold on. All right. I'm holding. Psalm 150. And uh, if you're looking, that's the very last Psalm. In the book. It says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the resounding trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And just in case you didn't get it, he says one more line, praise the Lord. Today I'm talking about praise, if you haven't realised by now. Praise is for God. Praise is about God. But what I've come to realise is that praise takes you on a journey. For those who embark on it, go on a journey. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the journey of praise. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your presence here. Lord, I thank you that you are the speaker. And Lord God, we open our hearts to you this morning. Father, as I speak, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring revelation. 
I pray that you would shift things and change things. I pray that we'd leave this place a little different from when we came from having heard from you. Lord, lift people, encourage people, build faith this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The journey of praise. Before I talk to you about the journey of praise, I need to, I need to make sure we're all on, the, all on the same page. As you would know, sometimes you can be talking to someone and use a particular word or a particular phrase. They're using the same word and the same phrase, but you both have different perspectives of what that word's all about. So before I go any further, I just wanna make sure we're all on the same page. When I say praise, I want you to understand what I mean. I discovered something a number of years ago that in ancient Hebrew, there's not one word for praise. We have one word in the English language, praise. In fact, in Hebrew, they have seven different distinct words that are all translated into the one English word, praise. When something's important in a culture, it's reflected in the way uh, they speak, right? So what I wanted to do is just quickly, quickly, very briefly, tell you what the seven Hebrew about praise. We're gonna be thinking what they mean, and I think we're gonna be on the same page when I talk about praise. We're gonna be thinking the same thing. Are you ready for this? The first Hebrew word for praise is halal, halal. Now that's where we get the word hallelujah from, but the, the meaning or the definition of halal is very interesting. This is what it means. It means to rave, to celebrate, and to be clamorously foolish unto the Lord, right? Like let go of your inhibitions, right? We're talking about joyful celebration, and they literally describe it as to, to, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish unto the Lord. That's halal. The next word is yada. Yada means to throw out your hands, to extend your hands in praise and worship to God. We, some of you are doing that this morning, right? It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a Bible thing. I found it right there, yada. The third word is tauda, tauda. This means to extend your hand in acceptance or agreement. More this is really interesting. This, this is a form of praise, tauda. It literally means in practice, people in a gathering, when hearing something about God or being read the, the, the scriptures in the, the Old Testament, people would shout out and raise their hands like this. Yes! Or I agree! Or just, yeah! That's actually what tauda means and it's actually a form of praise. Isn't that interesting? The next word is shabak. Shabak simply means to shout in the voice of triumph. You've heard a scripture in the Bible, clap your hands, all these people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's what that word means. Shabak means to shout. So it's not hype, it's Bible. Verse, uh, the, fifth, the, fifth, uh, the fifth word for praise is barak. Barak means to throw yourself prostrate on the ground. It's a form of bowing, but not bowing like this and not bowing on your knees, but literally lying flat on your belly, flat on the ground as an act of adoration to the King of all kings. That's what that word means. That's, that's Barak. The sixth word is Zama. Zama means joyful expression with musical instruments. We did a little bit of that this morning, but isn't it interesting? Up until now, Musical instruments and music have not been mentioned once. Praise can happen during singing, but praise is far greater than that. Praise is an attitude. Praise is an expression. And here we find it comes out in joy and celebration in music. The final word that I want to share with you is tahila. Tahila, not tequila, tahila, okay? Tahila means to be joyful, 
sorry, to have joyful express, sorry, I'm reading the wrong one, to celebrate and to be clamorously foolish, a little bit like the first one, but this time in song, okay? So to celebrate and to be clamorously foolish in song. So once again, we're talking about this thing where all inhibition lifts and it's just about celebrating God. I want you to picture for a moment. It's a grand final. The clock is counting down. Your team is behind. And just before it goes nuts, they're selling. Let's say it's rugby league. The Broncos score a try. The whole place erupts. It goes nuts. There's celebration. People are screaming. They're dancing. They're shouting. They're hugging strangers, so on and so forth. That's the sort of picture it's painting, although in music and song, no inhibition, just praise. So all those things are translated into one English word, praise. But here's, I'm gonna summarize it. Have you noticed that none of them are reflected in quiet and contemplative, right? All of the words for praise are expressive either audibly or physically. Either I'm doing something with my body or I'm doing something with my voice, that's praise. An expression from your heart towards God about who He is, a celebration of who He is. Someone give me a wave if, you, if you're following me, right? That's praise, that's praise. That's the praise we're talking about. So when I talk about a journey of praise, we're talking about this loud, passionate, expressive journey that we can choose to go on called the journey of praise. All right, let's talk a little bit about that. Every journey has to start somewhere. I just went on holidays. We just had, she came back from holidays. We went to New South Wales to visit my wife's family and uh, went on a bit of a journey. Well, every journey has a starting point. Started with packing the suitcases, getting everything ready, getting sorted out. Where does praise start? Listen to where praise starts. Praise starts as a decision you make. I know it sounds too simple. I know you thought I was gonna say something a lot more profound, but let me explain myself. The truth is, a lot of the time, we subconsciously believe that praise begins with a happy feeling. Sometimes we believe praise begins with an answered prayer. Well, here's the thing. If God answers your prayer, it is appropriate to praise. But praise can take place even if the prayer hasn't been answered. Come on, somebody. Praise doesn't begin with an an act of God. Praise begins as a decision of your will. The truth is, it's not always comfortable or it doesn't even always feel good to express yourself in an uninhibited manner Focused on God, not yourself. Often we wait for something to move us or lead us. A good song, a favorite song, a happy feeling, a a nice atmosphere, a powerful move of God. But the truth is all those things are wonderful and can be a part of our praise journey. But true praise begins as a decision you make. That means when I'm depressed, I can praise. Come on, somebody. That means if I haven't had the prayer answered, I can still praise. That means if I'm not feeling that great, I can still praise. Why? Because praise begins as a decision you make. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, verse 3, we are given, it tells us that we are given a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Think about that. You're given a garment of praise to replace the spirit of heaviness. When you shout, shout and clap, the last thing you want to do is get all excited and start shouting, clapping your hands and expressing joy and thanksgiving to God. 
But the truth is, the ability to praise was given to us to replace the spirit of heaviness. It starts with a choice, not a feeling. It's interesting that the Bible calls praise a garment, a piece of clothing. So for just a moment, I want you to imagine, this is what the Bible is telling us, that it's a garment, it's a piece of clothing. Interesting thing is, clothing is only useful when you put it on. I want you to imagine something for a minute. I want you to imagine I'm on a date with my wife, right? So we're on a date. I want, maybe we're, we're, we're on South Bank walking along the, the river. I want you to imagine it's winter. It's a little bit chilly. So we've got perhaps more layers than we usually would. But just imagine this. Imagine that I, I got my jacket on. I'm nice and cozy and warm. But on this particular date, we're walking along the river. We're having a conversation. But my wife has forgotten her jacket. And so she's, she's rubbing her arms like this, right? All right. And just a little free bit of advice for all the men. If your wife or girlfriend are rubbing your arms like that, that's not the time for you to say, I told you to bring your jacket. This is your moment, right? This is your moment. This is where you can be chivalrous. This is where you get to be the hero, right? So, so if my wife's rubbing her arms, imagine this for a second. She's rubbing her arms. She's feeling a bit cold. I, I, it would be right and polite of me to take off my jacket and say, here, darling, why don't you take my jacket, right? So I want you to imagine this. She takes my jacket. She puts it over her arm and keeps walking. She's still rubbing her arm. She's cold. It's just hanging over her forearm, but she's still cold. She hasn't put it on. After a while, I'm going to say, give me my jacket back. Because it's only effective if you put it on. You have been given a garment of praise. But it's only effective if you put it on. Praise begins as a decision you make. And sometimes to make that decision, it feels like chewing glass, but it's a decision you're able to make because He gave it to you. Come on, somebody. You don't have to wait for the happy feeling. You don't have to wait for the great sermon. Although all those times are appropriate to praise, you can choose in your car, in your bedroom, in the darkest moment, in a dungeon, locked up to open your mouth and give glory to God because the journey of praise begins as a decision you make. When I was younger, we used to sing a song in church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, somebody, sing it with me. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. It's funny, you can sometimes sing songs in church and not even think about what the words mean. So as a child, I grew up hearing that song, singing it, thinking it was a song to God. And only as an adult, as I read the scripture where it comes from and contemplated the lyrics, the Lord, it's not even to God. Think about the lyrics. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. This is the psalmist singing to himself. His soul, the emotions that he sometimes reside within him. Sometimes you have to take a hold of your emotions and your feelings and you have to say, all right, soul, I know you don't feel like it right now, but we're going to bless the Lord. Soul, bless the Lord. I'm talking to you right now. We're going to choose right now to bless His holy name because it's right even if it doesn't feel right. When I'm low, He's still the most high. When I don't feel good, He's still good and is worthy 
of all my praise. My encouragement for us in this new year, remember that praise starts as a decision you make. But every journey, even though it has a starting point, doesn't stay there, it moves somewhere. Praise might start as a decision. It might even start hard, not even feeling that good. But as it doesn't stay there, it moves somewhere. Where does the journey of praise go to? The second thought I want to share with you right now is praise leads to the enlargement of God. Praise leads to the enlargement of God. Listen to this. Psalm 34 verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. It's another psalm that's actually not singing to God. Now the psalmist is actually talking to other people. He's saying, exalt the Lord with me. Come and let us praise His name together. Magnify His name together, right? So, so in this psalm, we're being told to magnify the Lord. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's the way I think. I don't know if it's my curiosity, but sometimes I, I think a little bit uh, about what I'm reading and I couldn't help but wonder when I read verses like that, how can you make God bigger when He's already so big you can't even comprehend Him? The word magnify literally means to enlarge, to make bigger. How is it possible that I could make God bigger? And then I realized it wasn't talking about me making God bigger, it's talking about me making God bigger in my perspective. Did you follow me? Sometimes I subconsciously see God smaller than what He truly is. But when I engage in praise, He is elevated back to His rightful place of majesty and glory in my perspective. It's the sun that when I hold a telescope up and look at the sun or stars or the moon. The star doesn't get bigger, it gets bigger in my eyes. Are you following me? Praise magnifies God in your perspective. It enlarges God. Let me talk a little bit deeper in, in your story. In history, there was a king, uh, a famous king in, in Europe called King Canute. King Canute was uh, from Denmark, but ruled over big portions of Europe and sometimes ruled over Great Britain. He was a well-known king. You can study about him in history. And he was a popular king. He was, he was loved by his people. In fact, history books write that his courtiers and his servants and assistants and attendants thought he was wonderful, like they loved him. But, but, the, but one book that I read said his courtiers would supply him a constant uh, flow of praise and admiration. Oh, King, you're the greatest. Oh, King, you're wonderful. Oh, King, you're the, you, you can't do any wrong. And it was something, it was written in this particular writing I read, it was something that the king grew tired of, this constant supply of praise and admiration, and he decided to do something about it. One day he got together a group of his servants and courtiers, and he said to them, we're gonna take my throne down to the coast. Now, last year I did some ministry in Denmark and I went to the place where this actually happened. It's quite incredible. He said, he said, take my throne and we're gonna go down to the beach, the coast. 
So they took his throne because they would do anything the king would say. And they took his throne down to the beach. They walked onto the beach. They approached the water. And just before the water, uh, you know, they walked in the water, he said, put my throne down. So they put his throne down in the pebbles right there. And, and he stood in front of his throne. And he said to his courtiers, am I the greatest? And they said, oh, yes, king. Oh, yes, king, you're the greatest. He said, does anything listen to me? Oh, yes, king, everything and every, everyone will listen to you. So he looked towards the ocean and he held out his arms and he said, Oh sea, come no further. Ocean, stay in your place. And then he sat down on his throne and he said nothing. And his servants and courtiers stood around looking at him, wondering what was happening. And he sat there without saying a word and the tide started to rise. The water started touching their toes. The water started to cover their feet. They were looking at each other. They looked at their king, but they dared not say anything because he sat there in silence just watching the water. And over time, perhaps over hours, the water kept rising until finally the water was up to their knees. They were standing knee deep in water. And finally the king stood up and he said, Do you see how little I am obeyed? And he said, There is only one king and it is Jesus. And history books write that he went from that place, he left the coast, and he walked up to a cathedral that was right near the ocean, uh, right near the water. And he walked into the cathedral, he walked down the aisle, and there was a cross right at the front of the, front of the church. And he walked up to the cross, and he took off his crown, and he put his crown on the cross, and he walked out. What did he do that day? He magnified God in the eyes of all his courtiers, because they had magnified him greater than they should have. What has it got to do with us? Without to position, without knowing, we often magnify things or people to positions greater than what they should be in. The bill on our fridge can sometimes be magnified to bigger than what it actually is. The issue in our family can be magnified in our thought and in our speech, in, the, in the, the time that we give it in our brain to bigger than what it should be. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm not saying they're not concerning. But the truth is, when anything is magnified greater than God, it's too big in your eyes. What does praise do? Praise begins to shrink things down to its rightful position and elevate God to His rightful perspective in your eyes. The journey of praise begins as a decision, but it leads somewhere. It leads to the enlargement of God in our eyes. My friends, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need to put ourselves in a position where we get lifted and our eyes are lifted to see God the way He truly is, as great and wonderful and magnificent. You don't have to wait for that to happen through the words of a preacher or the act of God Himself. But you can engage in praise and magnify God. Yeah, you can give Him a clap. You can give Him a clap right now. You can praise Him right now. Come on, let's just have a praise break right now. Lord, we praise You. We worship You. We honour You right now. Hallelujah. Amen. So praise begins as a decision. Praise leads to the enlargement of God. But you would know as well as me that all journeys have a destination. You don't go on a journey except for the destination. 
praise, listen to this carefully. Praise ends in breakthrough. Praise ends in breakthrough. Listen to this scripture. I want to explain it to you. Psalm 22 verse 3. In the King James Version, it says that God inhabits the praises of His people. That, that word literally means lives in the praises of His people. Well, one day I did a bit of a word study on that. I, I studied the original uh, Hebrew uh, language, and, and I tried to get a, a better understanding of what that meant because I noticed that in different translations, it sounded very different. One translation says God inhabits the praises of your people. One translation says God is enthroned on the praises of your people. So I did a bit of a word search, uh, word study, and I, and I came to realize what the word is. It literally means and is defined like this, that, that God is ushered in and seated on our praise. Right? So the literal translation is seated. But it's talking about being seated in a place of honor. So the, the connection is all the way you would understand as speaking about that time period in that era in ancient times is you would understand it as speaking about a throne. A throne is something, a seat, but it's not a seat that anyone can sit on. Only an honored person, a king that's elevated can sit on a throne. So it's talking about praise honors God and ushers him in and seats him in a place of honor. So the picture you're meant to have in your mind when the author talks about this is, is that your praise builds a throne for God to sit on, right? Now I want to take this a little bit deeper because in our day and age, we can think of things like thrones and stuff like that as maybe like something from a TV show or something from the pages of history. But I want you to understand it from, from the perspective of someone that lived in that time. The throne did not exist outside the throne room. So that's why some biblical, uh, some writers would, would have translated it. He, is in, he inhabits our praises. He lives in, he dwells in this space, this place of honor and praise where he's seated on a throne. Okay? I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to... I want to help you understand the throne room, not necessarily in spiritual or heavenly, uh, you know, language, but net, but perhaps in a in times uh, in terms of ancient culture, the throne room in ancient culture. And if if you want, the the worship team can start coming up up on the stage now. Throne rooms were not places the kings would just hang out casually. Yes, they would sit there, but this was not the lounge room to chill out in. This is not where they played their Xbox, right? This, is, this was a place where rulership took place. Okay, follow me with this. The throne room was where decisions were made. Decrees were made. Wars were planned. Questions were answered. It was an intense place. In ancient times, throne rooms were intense places where many people sometimes would tremble and even be nervous and fearful of coming into that place. So when the, when the king was on his throne, the, the throne, it was in session, the king was in session, and people would come and approach the throne. But, but here's the thing, you could not come into the throne room just willy-nilly. You could not approach the throne just because you wanted to. It was something in ancient times where you would have to be invited An example of this is Esther. Esther was the queen. 
She needed to approach the king while he was in session on his throne. But even though she was the wife of the king, even though she was the queen, she was fearful and concerned about coming in uninvited. She said, if you do that and the king's not pleased, you can literally be killed. Even me, the wife, can't just walk in there. She got people to pray and intercede and fast for her. Why? Because in those times, you couldn't just approach the throne whenever you wanted. Everything. Watch this. This passage of Scripture flips everything, changes everything. Watch this. You couldn't just approach the throne. But the Bible is teaching us that when we praise, this is the, this is the amazing thing. When we praise, the throne approaches us. This is radical. This is crazy. This is different. His throne is built on our praises. I could be in my car, stressed out, worried, full of anxiety, driving to work, and I praise in the car, and all of a sudden, the, the throne approaches. All of a sudden, the King of all glory is seated, ruling, reigning, decreeing, making decisions on my behalf. That's why praise ends in breakthrough. Paul and Silas understood this. Locked up in a prison. Beaten severely, the Bible says. Stripped naked. Locked in the deepest dungeon. And the Bible says at the midnight hour, when they were tired, exhausted from a crazy, traumatic day, they opened their mouth and they began to praise and sing hymns. Pray and sing hymns. To God. And the Bible says the other prisoners were listening. That means it wasn't a mumbled praise. It wasn't a half-hearted praise. It was a praise. It was a heard praise. It was a heard praise. And when you praise, the throne approaches. That's when God starts to rule and decree and make decisions on your behalf. The, sh- the, the, the whole place started to shake. And every chain of every prisoner fell off. Why? Because praise ends in breakthrough. Praise might start as a decision. Wrestling through your emotions. Wrestling through your inhibition. But when you engage in that moment, it leads to the enlargement of God. And passing that, it comes and ends in breakthrough. Here's the amazing thing about praise. Praise is about God and for God, but it takes us on a journey and affects our lives. Such is the power of our King. Praise has to be chosen to enter into. Right now, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that every inhibition would be broken. I want to pray that every heaviness that has maybe robbed you of your voice is removed in the name of Jesus. You know, David in the Psalms, he's known as a worshiper. He's known as someone that sang and expressed himself. He's known as a praiser. We know that he danced before the Lord so crazily that his wife thought he was, you know, uh, undignified. Uh, We know that David was a praiser, but there is a Psalm in the Bible that David says, Lord, unseal my lips that I might praise you. Why? Because the truth is sometimes in life, things get put on us. It feels like our lips are sealed up. It feels like it's hard. That's the heaviness. But God gave you a garment of praise to destroy the yoke of heaviness. And I'm going to pray right now. Just raise your hands. Raise your hands all over this place. Father, I pray for a fresh freedom to enter into this house and over every person. Lord, a fresh freedom in praise and in worship, Lord God. Father, I pray that we would not see this as something that we engage in once a week. With rooms, in our cars, in our workplaces, in our living rooms. 
Father, I pray for a breaking down of the, of the spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that it would lift right now. Lord, I pray that mindsets would shift. I pray that fear would disappear. Lord God, I pray the inhibition would be destroyed and that we'd come in a place of honest expression unto God in the name of Jesus. Church, I want to do one more thing before I hand it over. I want to have a moment of praise together as a family. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to jump to your feet. I want you to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I want you to clap your hands. You can dance around a little bit. Worship team, you go and do whatever you want to help us and lead us. But I, but I want this to be a moment of choice. Come on. Your head has stopped you for too long. But now is the choice. I got given a choice by the Lord to make. I can step into it. And we're going to step into it together as a family. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. After three, you jump up. One, two, three. Come on, stand your feet and give Him praise. Praise you, Jesus. Come on, worship Jesus. Shout out to God. With the worship prior. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord God. We release your power and presence in this place right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Raise your hands across this place. Raise your hands. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing in this church. For, for the new year, let there be a new anointing. A new level. A new song, a new praise. Lord, let tiredness in our souls be, be removed in the name of Jesus and let a refreshing touch of the Holy Ghost come and touch every person from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from the youngest to the oldest. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody shouted, Amen. Come on, give him a clap one more time.